How many of you have ever heard of Cornelius Hodges? That's right, Cornelius Hodges. Uh-huh, right. How many of you ever heard of Johnny Hodges? Uh-huh, that is Cornelius Hodges. You see, his mother named him Cornelius. But he, he, that wasn't a enough name for him, so he just went, my name is Johnny, and I don't care what they say. So he's Johnny Hodges, yeah. Born in 1907, same as Benny Carter. But he was born in the Boston area, actually Cambridge area. Um, and um, in his youth, the family moved down to the way south end of Boston. And uh, in that same area where they moved, you had Harry Carney, who was going to play Barry Sachs for Ellison, and uh, Harley Johnson, another guy who made a name at the Ellison Sachs player. So he moved into a neighborhood full of up-and-coming young musicians. Although uh, young Johnny had a mother who uh, played piano quite well, uh, she didn't teach her son. He had to learn by rote, did teach himself. He had to learn any way he could, so he was pretty much self-taught. And he also, you know, messed around with the drums. But he kept practicing, and he got good enough on the piano that he could actually start playing for parties. Yeah. Rent parties and birthday parties and just party parties. He'd come to your house and set the joint on fire for you. Well, I mean, musical fire, you know, for $8 a night, which is a lot of money. He had a young man. He was a good businessman, making that piano happen. At the same time, he learned to play the soprano saxophone, which he learned, but evidently he didn't like it all that much. And so when the alto sax became available, that's what he went to and that's what he stuck with. Although he was required to play soprano uh, occasionally. Uh, as a young man, he started going back and forth from uh, Boston to New York, uh, playing gigs uh, here and there. And somewhere around 1928, uh, Duke Ellington was looking to expand uh, the Duke Ellington Orchestra from a four-man sax section, I guess, to a five-man sax section. And uh, Barney Brigard, who was a clarinet player with Ellington, uh, said, hey, man, I got just a cat. There's this guy that plays alto sax. Play what? Hey, alto sax. Not see melody? No, alto. Hmm. You should hear him. He, he's wonderful. Well, Duke heard him, and the rest is history. Johnny Hodges is hired. And he became pretty much the only person that sat in that seat uh, during his entire lifetime, from 1928 until uh, you know, he finally just uh, left and, uh, the band. And he left the band uh, at his death. So he played it uh, from 1928 until about 1970 or so. Uh, that was his seat. You couldn't take it because he was such a marvelous player. Uh, his sound was so beautiful. And his approach to the saxophone, the glissando, and the tremolos and whatnot, and uh, that vibrato, um, no one 
could do it like, like Johnny Hodges, nobody. And uh, after collab collaboration with members of the Allison Orchestra and members of the uh, Biddy Goodman Orchestra at uh, Carnegie Hall somewhere around 1938, uh, Biddy Goodman said, uh, never have I heard a man on this planet who makes the alto saxophone sound like Johnny Hodges does. Never. And of course, Benny played woodwinds, he would know. You never. So Duke had this habit of uh, writing, not for first trumpet, or second trumpet, or third trumpet, or fourth trumpet, but writing for specific cats. Bubba Miley, Dickie Wells, Johnny Hodges. He put your name on your music because he wrote the part for your sound, for your technique, for your style. Every part of the Ellington arrangement was custom designed for the person who was gonna play that part. So when personnel changed, he had to adjust all the arrangements to fit the new personnel. That's a fact. That's why there are so many different versions of all those tunes, because as personnel shifts, he had to shift the arrangement to the personnel. He did custom arrangements for real, not just for the instrumentation, but for the personnel involved. Johnny being such a special player, obviously, he wrote a lot of John Hodges tunes, Jeet Blues. One of his nicknames was Jeep. Another nickname he had was uh, Rabbit. You know, people say he got those nicknames because he could run so fast. As a young cat being kind of slight in South Boston, there were some bad cats down there. It wasn't just musicians, there were some gangsters down there too. So sometimes being able to run real fast was uh, to your advantage. And young Johnny, could run. They say he probably had the fastest honey yard dash in the neighborhood. So you got, you know, Jeep Blues. Written <laughs> for the Jeep. And uh, he was also called Rabbit. A lot of people say because he bunched on his poop boot like a little rabbit, just took little munches. And a lot of people say because he had very little personality at his own stage. We, must have had some personality off the stage because he had at least two wives and numerous girlfriends, so he must have had some kind of personality out there, but you didn't get that too much on stage, except through his saxophone. Where he would play pieces like Prelude to a Kiss. Oh, Lord, Prelude to a Kiss? Ooh, boy, just listen to the title of that. Mm. Then go listen to Johnny Hodges play that thing. Ooh, careful, careful. Blood count. Mm, 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 mm. Star-crossed lovers. I got it bad. That ain't good. <laughs> yeah, and many, many others. Just to feature the beautiful sound and style of one Johnny Hodges. And each one of these special platforms 
that was written by Ellison to feature uh, Johnny Hodges was a hit all by itself. Now somewhere around 1955, uh, Johnny decided that he'd go out on his own and make some independent recordings and have his own little groups and try to make a little bit more money the way he was making as a member of a big orchestra or maybe he got tired of touring or maybe he had just married a new wife and wanted to spend more time with her. I don't know what it was, but he left. But he was back in about a year, just before the 1956 uh, live recording Ellington at Newport, which was a career builder for Ellington. Career builder. Um, and uh, just really brought the Ellington band back into great prominence. And Johnny Hodges got back in time to be on stage with that wonderful sound and to give the Ellington Orchestra its complete authenticity. Great player that he was. And of course, after that recording, 1956, 57, those years, Ellington started doing a variety of bigger works, uh, liturgical works, you name it, suites, classical, uh, you name it, he did it all, and Johnny Hodges was featured on almost all of those. As I said, he did play the soprano saxophone, but uh, for whatever reason, there are no records of him ever playing the instrument past 1946. So he only played it in his early days as a professional player, and once he put it down, he really put it down. I think he just preferred the sound to alto, that's all. He just preferred the sound to alto. And uh, that's strange because as a kid, uh, we know that his older sister had taken him to meet Sidney Bechet at a concert in Boston. And uh, I think he played a tune by Honey's Loving Arms or something like that for Sidney. And Sidney told him, man, you sound good. Keep going, baby. You'd be a great soprano player. And of course, Sidney Bechet was the soprano saxophone player of his day. So Johnny Hodges had some talent on the instrument. And uh, it wasn't that he couldn't play it. Obviously, he could play it very well. He got uh, the support of Sidney Bechet uh, even when he was a kid. But there was just something about the instrument that uh, turned him off. And so he turned it off in 1946. But thank God he kept playing that alto. And so we have generations of alto sax players that have tried mostly unsuccessfully to emulate Johnny Hodges. He was one of a kind. As Ellington said, um, at uh, Jeep's funeral, he said he was never the flashy showman or the exciting artist. He said, but that sound he had could bring a tear to your eye. And then he ended with, that was Johnny Hodges. And he continued, that is Johnny Hodges. Which means the legacy 
set by Johnny Hodges when he first walked into the Ellington Band in 1928 is with us today, almost a hundred years later. That sound has never been duplicated. It's been imitated, never duplicated, never will be. It is a thing of beauty. It's a versatile sound. He was able to record with Bill Webster, with John Coltrane, yeah, with Benny Goodman, and with Lawrence Welk. So whatever he had was so beautiful, you could put it anywhere. And it would just shine as a special thing of beauty. So I'm gonna take Ellington words and leave you with this. Johnny Hodges still sings to us through his saxophone. And the sound of it can still bring a tear to your eye. This is Johnny Hodges. Thank you.